Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according According to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. It is former Black Ferns captain Les Elder who played 22 tests for the Black Ferns and 22 years in rugby. Welcome to the show and congratulations on a hell of a career. Hi everyone, thanks for having me. And yeah, yeah, it's... Um a weird feeling that it's all come to an end, but a good one as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did it feel right to do it now? Yeah, I mean, my my intention was always to um, retire at the end of this year. Um, so, you know, obviously the plan was to play a World Cup and, and then retire. But um, as is rugby, it, it unraveled the way it did. And yeah, but the, the plan to retire didn't change. I did consider having one more round of Opiki, Super Rugby Opiki, mm-hmm. but... Um, Nah, I, I was ready. Liz, Ian Jones here. Congratulations on your career and uh, outstanding work you did on the panel for Spark, Spark Sport, which we'll talk about soon. But why rugby? What got you into our great sport? Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of everything. It was around me all the time. Um, I've got four brothers and no sisters, a very competitive dad who represented King Country. So um, rugby was just around me 24-7. But... I did actually play netball majority of my life um, until I decided I wanted to give rugby a go when I was about fourteen. So, so what? So yeah, just loved it. And it was, was when, did this, when did the when did when did you flip the switch and say, you know what, I am going to give rugby? Was there a seminal moment? Um, yeah, it was pretty much in twenty fourteen. My oh, sorry, no, I was fourteen. It would have been <laughs> two thousand and one, I think. So. Um, but my dad and my mum, well, my mum had coached me through netball and I was quite an aggressive netballer. Um, and my dad kind of said to me, oh, why don't you give rugby a go? Um, so, yeah, that was the point where I was just like, oh, well, I'll make a season of this. I played both, but I continued to play both and everything in between, basketball touch, the whole work. So, but it was um, when I was 14 that I actually decided I'd have a, I worked through a whole season of rugby. Liz, we don't want any barriers in any sport, and certainly rugby union at the moment. When you were playing way back then, you are a 14-year-old, and getting into your rugby, uh, New Zealand was a different spot. Was there any barriers that you had to overcome? Oh, yeah. Like, when I decided to play, there was no girls' team at my high school. So um, I rocked up to the under-14 boys' school muster, and, you know, all the teachers were a bit shocked, and the boys were too, so... Originally, I wasn't allowed to play, and it took, I guess, two pretty courageous parents to go to the school and dispute why that shouldn't be right. And um, yeah, I, I, my mum and dad probably protected me from a lot of that stuff, but they did um, go to war for me to be able to play. Um, and then I think it's just the little things, like I would have a separate changing room for the boys, um, you know, just the logistical stuff about staying overnight on camps and things like that, if it was safe for me and, and even safe for the boys. So just those sorts of things that 
I guess an only girl in a male team has to go through. Did that make you question why you were playing rugby, or did it make you even uh, make your resolve even greater? Say, no, no, this is where I'm going to be, and I'm going to show you. Yeah, no, it it never made me. It never made me. shy away from the game or you know reconsider it at all if anything the boys really looked after me probably felt a bit of um I don't know they protected me I guess um but like I said my parents did a lot in silence and so I don't actually know probably the struggles that they would have gone through um I was only playing boys rugby for a year and then the following year I started a a girls team at my high school um so all those kind of the barriers changed, I guess. It now became about how far we had to travel to play in a competition and things like that. I'll jump in there and talk about barriers. And there's a lot of money floating around New Zealand rugby at the moment with a Silver Lake deal coming through, and that's now filtered down to the unions. There's a big pool out there that clubs, and I urge clubs in New Zealand to jump on this and help out the new Les Elders and all our young women that want to play. And there's a fund to start upgrading your changing rooms. Don't let the Les Elders of the world shower separately. Get these cubicles, get the women's facilities up to, to a standard that is the same for everyone, male and female, coming into the club. So please, clubs, sit. Don't sit back. Go and get apply for that funding, and get our yeah. change rooms and our facilities up to a standard. Would that help, Liz? One hundred percent. And I mean, I'm in. I'm 35 years now. Years old now. I've been playing for a long time, and still we play in facilities where there are not the right. Um, you know, things available for women. And you think, you know, that time of months and things like that, you've got to have certain facilities in a changing shed to allow for, you know, to provide for that. And there are facilities that don't have those sorts of resources. So I 100% agree with you on that one. Um, I know that that takes a bit of investment. But, um, yeah, I guess if we want to make it a game for all where females feel welcome in our club rooms and things like that, then it's definitely a step in the right direction. Ian and I have been talking about the All Blacks evolving, but I want to ask the question, in your time in rugby, how much has the the women's game evolved and how much more can it evolve? Yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've seen it grow through, go through a whole lot of stages, obviously, over the 22 years. Um, and we're at a real, we're at a time in history, I guess, now where we can really move on this momentum. And saying that momentum... I do believe momentum has been growing since the 2016 Olympics, um, where the first seven team was in that Olympics. And then 2017, the Black Ferns won the World Cup, and there was a huge shift in momentum then. But I feel like right now it's supercharged, and so we really need to take take advantage of that. Um, and I hope that there's more investment put into our domestic competitions just to grow those pathways the, the gap between FCC and the Black Ferns is too big, so that Opiki program, you know, has real potential to um, boost the profile of the game and actually close that gap as well. Liz, with your day job, you're in the perfect position to see and capitalise on this new growth of women's rugby with the Bay of Plenty Rugby Union. What are you doing, or your union doing, to capitalise on the success? Yeah, I'm. Not, I no longer work at the Bay Plenty Rugby Union. I finished up there in 2012 after having my daughter, so a couple of years ago. Um, but I know there's a bit of work being done. I mean, they do a great 
great job in the community space, but especially at the, you know, sort of five to secondary school space. I think where nationally we need to be better is in the secondary school space, that kind of intermediate through to 19 years old. You know, some girls are starting rugby at 16 years old. They leave school and then the only option for them to continue playing is in women's club rugby. And it's just a massive shift and they're only new to the game. So there's still a big bit of work, I think, that needs to be done in the secondary school space because we don't have representative under-18s and under-20s like the boys do. Um, So then a lot more better coaching, better resource needs to be provided in that secondary school space. Hey, Liz, can we now jump forward to this year's Rugby World Cup and the opening game? And I really want to get how you felt in the moment when the team uh, started off with Porsche Woodman, I believe, did the haka. And there's a beautiful, it was just spine-tingling moment. You were captured uh, as well doing a haka on the sideline. Can you please uh, talk us through that? Yeah, I guess um, the event itself was just massive, you know. Obviously, opening event in Auckland to a pretty stacked-out stadium. Um, Henewehe Mohi, who sang that, the anthem in Māori for the first time, she sang it at the opening. He had a plane that flew over top of the the stadium. To my left, I had the non-stripped black ferns in the stands doing the haka, and it's actually when I looked and seen them that I just joined. Um, it only felt right to get in behind my team, um, especially when my mates were beside me doing it. So I kind of just went with what I felt, um, it, it made me a little bit uncomfortable that it went viral. Like those are the sorts of things you just do in silence, and you know it, it was a bit, yeah, uncomfortable for me that it went viral. But um, I guess for me it was just supporting a co-papa that I've been a part of and that I love so much. Yeah, I'm intrigued to why you say you felt it uncomfortable because. The whole, and the, this word has been used before in regards to this group of black ferns, the whole authenticity was a huge part of capturing New Zealand's attention. So you were part of that. So why, the un, why being uncomfortable? Oh, I think, I think we live in a day, and I call me old school, but <laughs> we live in a bit of a day where a lot of stuff gets done for the likes and the Instagram posts and things like that. And yep. moments like those, I think, are just they're private and they're intimate. And, um, yeah, I mean, it went viral. And initially I felt a little bit uncomfortable. But it, at the end of the day, I did look at the other side of it, probably where you're coming from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, I was immensely yeah, was proud of you. I'm sure your whanau would have been immensely proud of you. And feel connected <laughs> to your team, the Black Ferns, uh, just showed once more what Stephen said that that togetherness. Now let's go away from the game because you started to transition, didn't play in the Rugby World Cup, but your amazing work that you did, the positivity that you had on the panel. Did you enjoy uh, discussing and sharing your thoughts uh, on the game with New Zealand? Yeah, I did actually, and and I've always said that it was probably the second best seat in the house. You know, obviously the best seat is down on the grass, but um. I still felt like I was hugely a part of this huge occasion. Um, I felt like I was as close to the action as I could be. And I also seen that there was an opportunity to not just highlight how good a quality the rugby was going to be and how it, the potential that the game has, but also just connecting the audience, you know, the audience that we don't have and that was captured um, with the player and not just the player, but the person behind the jersey. So 
I guess me and Christina Sue have that insight into individuals and into the team environment. And so for us to be able to share that with the public, I think that just helps in actually connecting our audience with who these women are and what they're doing and, and how amazing they are. So we've been talking about the authenticity and the openness of the Black Ferns. Now, I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here because we did ask, ask ourselves this question. Do you believe yes. that if the Black Ferns become fully professional and there is a more, more attention, more criticism, more eyeballs on the Black Ferns and women's rugby, do you think and do you believe the authenticity and openness can remain and should remain? I 100% believe that it should remain. Um, I think it can remain, but there's going to be, it's going to need to be a lot of work done to really um, keep that. Because I think when I was first in the team, we were amateur. Then when I captained the team, we moved to semi-professional. And I guess I took them, well, I was uh, one of the leaders as we moved professional at the start of this year. So, um, I think 50, 42 black ferns are currently on full-time professional contracts. Um, I have seen a shift between 2017 and now in terms of girls' attitudes towards the game, in terms of entitlement um, and those sorts of things. Not everybody, don't get me wrong, but it is there. Um, I think the devil's advocate that you're talking about is definitely there and it's got the potential to rear its head and, and and take that away from the team and what they've done so far. So the people who run the team, um, the leaders, I think it's just something they need to talk about, you know. Um, I, I love that Wayne Smith connected the team to the, to the community. He was very big on community engagement, so I hope that whoever takes on the team upholds that. Um, in order to go forward, we need to go, we need to know where we've come from. So I think there's a real onus on that next group of leaders and the coaching group coming in to connect our current black friends to our story. Because, because, because Liz, I'm going to jump in here because I honestly, I know exactly where you're going. And I think Wayne Smith is an unsung hero in this whole campaign, but uh, people don't want, we, we, were, we were talking the fact that if only the all blacks themselves could be as authentic. I know there is an enormous amount of history surrounding the men in black, but, we keep coming back to this yeah. word of evolving, and they need to evolve too. I think there still needs to be a reconnection to maintain the dominance that they can have on the world stage, as the Black Ferns can do as well. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, and like I'm, I'm really lucky that I've had a lot of interaction with the Black Boys, and so I actually think they're misunderstood a lot of the time. Um, the guys who I've met have always been as down to earth as you'd ever meet anyone, um, welcoming, you know, approachable, all those things. So I can only say things about them. What I do wonder though is if the structures around them, you know, the media people that run their media campaigns, um, the coaches, the trainers, all those sorts of things, the restrictions that they put around the players, that's probably an area that probably needs to be looked at. You know, sometimes, like in our campaign, we might not be able to go to a promo because it's too much time on feet. Well, make someone available because not everyone has to play that Saturday, so make those girls available for that, you know. Um, 
And outside the assembly group, there's always a group of girls outside that. Use those players to keep connecting to the community. There will be ways around it. Well, I, for one, Liz, love the culture that you've set, love the joy that you bring to our game, love the new fans. Uh, An atmosphere was so different to an all-black game. We're blokes watching the all-blacks as tradition. We get nervous with our team. I felt when I was watching the Black Ferns, I had so much joy. The entertainment, I was really, really excited. So you and the other fellow players are aware of maybe some of the, the barriers in the way. You'll overcome those barriers. I'm sure the joy will continue. Just finally on the game, you're at Eden Park. Did you feel it was the Blackburns' destiny to win that? Because the longer the game went on, the more confident I was that we'd won it. Yeah, I mean, I was confident in the girls. Sorry, I hope I've heard this correctly. I've just had a bit of noise in the background. Um, I was very confident in the girls to be able to win that game. I think, man, if England had have had their fifteenth person, it could have been a you know very different outcome. I'm not sure. Like, I really credit them for playing 60 minutes with 14 ladies and leading most of that game. So, I don't think it was our best performance, but there were some critical moments and some critical individuals like Stacey Waka that really stepped up in that game. See, I think even with, and this is just assuming, and it's a, it's a terrible thing to assume anything in sport, but even with 15, I just thought it was the Blackburn's night. I just thought with the, the voice of Eden Park behind them, the power of the country behind the Blackburn's, it was their destiny. They were going to find a way. So now, Liz, you've made this big decision, and it's a huge decision in an athlete's career. you clearly got family behind you helping with the decision to retire. Will you stay connected with the game or what's next? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I definitely want to stay in the game in some capacity. I'm just probably trying to figure out what that is. I do have an interest in coaching, but I also have a passion for the governance um, side of the game and how I can influence in that space. Um, So it's just figuring out what the heck I want to do. At the moment, I'm unemployed, so I've got a bit of work to do to figure out what I do. But I will definitely continue to give back to the game. Okay, well, you've given us so much. But we we have to ask the the question, after 22 years, what what is that one memory, one moment that you will treasure? Or are there too many? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. (laughs) I mean, I think back to my first game of rugby, um, 12 years old, inter-school exchange in Taumaranui. Um, me and my three best mates jumped in with the boys' team and it was the first game that my dad came and watched me play. So, um, And he was really proud to see me play after that. And um, Yeah, my dad's not with us anymore, so um, that memory is pretty special for me. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for your service to the game, and not just to you personally, but to your whanau for allowing you the time, and I know that it takes a lot of time, both physically and emotionally, uh, to play our sport, so thank you very much for your done. I really enjoyed uh, the input that you had on the panel, I really enjoyed that insight, your connection with the team, so enjoy retirement, it's not as bad as people make it out to be, you've, you've done brilliant in the game, the next step will be equally as exciting, but thank you very much for what you've done. 
Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me today, guys. I appreciate it. You are more than welcome. Les Elder retires after 22 years in the game and 22 tests in a World Cup and a Farah Palmer Cup. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.